And we are back like we never left with another episode of the Transformability Podcast. Once again, my name is JV the Transformer. In this special late night edition, I get to talk to one of my best friends in the universe who happens to be a DJ. We will go over the beginnings of the DJ, what DJing is like before COVID, because I know with COVID, you know, it's very hard for guys like him to get gigs and how DJing can cross into being a family man. So my interview with my brother, DJ TM, is coming right up. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm about to bring him in, Mr. DJ TM. Hold up. There we go. Hello. That's a nice sweater, bro. I know, man. I had to, you know, pull the merch out. <laughs> are we live? Are we uh, uh, recording? Or Yeah, we are recording. Oh, what's up? What's up, everybody? What's going on? Ladies and gentlemen, if you do not know this man right here, this is DJ TM, probably one of the greatest DJs ever. Oh, thank you very much. One of my greatest friends ever. So for the, I know, right? Three freaking <laughs> years already. Good Lord. Mm -hmm. uh, a little bit, a uh, little bit before three years, but so if they don't know you, because I'm probably going to have a lot of viewers. Let them know who you are, what you do, and how great you are. Uh, well, I'm not going to talk about how great I am, um, but I am Thomas Miller, aka DJTM. Uh, I've been DJing since 1999. I am married with a, f uh, I'm a father of two, and um, yeah, trying to get by in this pandemic. Yeah, man. The DJing, you know. It's tough right now. Very tough. So, if I may, uh, let's go to the beginning. How did you start DJing? Um, it's actually a really funny story. Um, I graduated high school, and I basically was trying to find out what to do. And my brother uh, knew somebody. He's one of the biggest promoters of all time. Um, and introduced me to this guy and he gave me a job basically giving out flyers for like $10 an hour. I'd be in the street for like six hours, just giving out flyers. Then slowly I got to know the guy and um, he asked me to be a promoter with him. And um, I started promoting with him and we really got close. I, I ended up being like his right hand man. Um, his name is Rob Fernandez. Um, he passed away a couple years ago, RIP. Uh, but he, was one of, he, he was one of my best friends um, after that. So anyway, um, one day I was just hanging out and we're just partying. And I remember we're in the VIP section and we're just chatting around and laughing. And I said, and at the time, I remember this has to be 1999, 98. And I said, you know, at the time you'd have like all these hot 97 mix CDs and everything like that. And I said, yo, if you ever need a DJ, let me know. Hip hop music, just let me know. All right, never DJed in my whole life. <laughs> I used to hang around the DJs, and um, he calls me in two weeks and he says, Yo, tonight you're on, um, starting at 10. It had to be like three o'clock in the afternoon at that time. I was like, Okay, cool, no problem, you know what I mean? All right, cool. So, I mean, where 
hung up the phone. I panicked. I was like, shit, what do I do? I called up my boy, uh, T-Pro. I said, what do I do? They want He wants me to DJ and everything. And I used to hang out in the DJ booth with T-Pro, one of the greatest DJs of all time. And uh, he uh, told me, you know, just cut music. Just cut into it. It's your first time. And uh, I DJ in front of like 400 people my first night. And I did okay. Nothing compared to what, you know, how I, I look at it now. I'm like, what, what was I doing? Um, I remember even uh, the sound guy came up to me and was like, um, yo, you're not DJing with headphones? Yo, you the man, you're killing it. And in my mind, I was like, yo, I totally forgot about the headphones part. <laughs> so I was just straight cutting just on, on not really knowing what to do. And then right after that, right when I got that experience, I said, all right, I got to learn, do everything in my power to learn everything about DJing. I went to my boy's house, T-Pros, and I, I would learn. I'd ask him questions. I, I'd, and then after, you, you know, a while, you start learning on your own and figuring out your own way of mixing and your own way of, of what you like. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it. And then, and then uh, I, I got weekly then with that, with that event and uh, with that venue. And from then on, it, it went high. So basically, because of T-Pro, you basically found your formula going yeah. from just cutting one record into another. Well, so he was just making it simple for me. He wasn't telling me to cut, you know, if I was going to DJ again. But at that very moment, he couldn't really teach me, you know, and in 1999, we didn't have video <laughs> phones as, as we did do now. Right. So it's not like he could tell me what to do uh, uh, on a video so he just basically told me to do cuts and then from then on and I actually learned from watching other DJs including T-Pro on how different they they're they're mixing and um I saw you from a lot of house DJs and at the time I was just a hip-hop DJ and um house DJs they do they really mix and if you know hip-hop clubs they're hip-hop clubs they're really into scratching into the song um but I wanted to that give that that feel of of it, the whole night being one track, you know what I mean in hip hop, and uh, yeah. and I just decided let me start mixing stuff, and then it goes to a whole different level when I started doing uh, other music, that's a whole different funny story. I mean that because that's how I know you. I just know you from going from one record into another. I mean I've never seen you scratch or juggle so that's pretty interesting that that one way that you learned from t-pro was basically how you were able to basically come up with a formula yeah i mean like i said I, i'm not a cup dj i'm not a cut dj i was in the beginning and then i i scratching i rarely did it i did it but i rarely did it and it's an art form but it's not what i do my my right. my whole my whole thing is mixing mixing uh, music, catching beats and everything like that, making it feel flow together. Cool. Now back in '99, did you start as a vinyl DJ? So, my first gig I I did CDs and then I got into mm. vinyl, and did CDs and vinyl at the same time. Um, but vinyls, I just never really 
you know, I had more of my music on the CDs and vinyls. It's a lot to carry, man. You'd have to have a van. Yeah. You'd have to have four milk crates, five milk crates, and just straight up remember where everything is. And CDs were hard enough just to remember where, where things was. Mm-hmm. I mean, to look how it, it, it evolved, you DJ on your iPad now. Yeah, which is something that uh, when I saw you DJ a couple of times, I, I'm looking at you and I'm like, how are you DJing off of an iPad? That's well, it's basically like I mean we 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 both know Apple very well. Yes. So um, when I I used to work for Apple, and when I started working for Apple, the big thing was they talked to me about promoting, basically having you DJ on your iPad. They wanted me to be that guy and to teach other people, and people come into the store, and I explained that to them. Um, it's awesome. I mean, it's it's literally awesome. I carry. An iPad, an iPad is essentially like a computer nowadays. Right. You know? And how advanced the iPad is now, it, it could handle that. Um, and then you have your iPad connect. My iPad is connected to a controller. So the sound comes up XLR. Uh, yeah. So the sound is amazing. Everything is, is flawless on the iPad. It's just for me to carry it. I mean, I carry one bag compared to back in the days when I had to bring two, two three bags of CDs or like I said, you get a vinyl, uh, a vinyl with, for vinyl. Right, man. I mean, you might think this is shocking, but, you know, I know that vinyls were, were 33s and then you had 45s. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I remember 33s because I remember I wanted to be a DJ when I first mm-hmm. started, but I had no idea what I was doing. Plus, mm-hmm. I think the mixer I had at the time was just broken. So mm-hmm. I would just play records and like try to scratch, but I remember like 33s and 45s. Now with DJing, and it's kind of funny that I named the podcast what I did, you know, transformability, I definitely see that in DJing because with DJing, you're not just one genre of music. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, when you first started out, was there like a mix or was there a certain, when you would go from like one song to another, when you first started, was there like that cut that you never really figured out how to do, or it took you a very long time to figure it out, to figure out the science of how to go from one record into the other? Yeah, so um, um, to explain this in, in, the, in the correct way, uh, yeah, it took me a couple years for me to really figure out what I wanted to do in music. And, and again, I, I wasn't, my plan wasn't to be a DJ at all. I was not thinking that. I was a, just like a, a, your first interview. <laughs> I was a super athlete. <laughs> and um, my whole thing was sports. And then I came out of high school and I didn't want to go to college. I just wanted, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Um, so I would be, you know, ultimately how I told you what happened, I ended up becoming a hip hop DJ. And I did it for maybe four or five years straight, hip, just straight up hip hop, reggae, you know, stuff like that. Um, and what happened was my boy, uh, uh, Ivan, used to work at a club called Jackrabbit Slims. And it was a cool spot. And they only did rock music, mm. but it was packed. They, they had bleachers. We had two stripper poles. It was it was 
one of my favorite uh, venues I've ever DJed at. Um, and really cool owner. And he's like, listen, um, I know you are. I like what you do. Can you play rock music? And honestly, I, I wasn't thinking about doing rock music at all. And then he told me what he was going to pay me. I said, yeah, I can do rock music. <laughs> yeah, no problem. <laughs> no problem. Because if and, the money's um, there, might as well, right? The money's there. And I, I got to tell you, back then, there wasn't a lot of DJs that, you know, you were a DJ that you were a house DJ, you were a hip hop DJ, you were a rock DJ, you were specific uh, brand to, the DJ. To the genre. Genres, yes. You were a specific genre right. to, 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 to DJ. And he told me that. I said, okay. And I got home, figured out what rock music I could play, figure, figure it out. And I said to myself, I, I want to incorporate um, hip hop or rock. And I started doing that. And he was loving it because the crowd was loving it. And then I got into pop. And then I threw into some house. And the night was so different. Um, you know, you're there for six hours and the crowd is so loving everything that it was, I wanted the genres to flow. Like I said, I wanted it to be one track, feel like it's one track, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, and uh, that's how I, it became like different genres of music that I, I wanted to play. And, you know, I feel like uh, a lot of DJs are doing that now. And that's really cool. I, you know, I don't want to be in a club right. and just listen to one, one type of music. I mean, you back in 99, you know, back being at that spot with two stripper poles. I mean, <laughs> you know, me and Robbie talked about it in our first interview, but I feel like you were, you were ahead of the curve because you were the one that was kind of mixing rock with pop and, you know, maybe dance with hip hop. So you mentioned something about crowds. Mm -hmm. And I know crowds could be tough. And I know with crowds, there's a science to that. Mm -hmm. So how, how are you able to go in for six hours and basically understand what the crowd wants for six hours? Because there, there, there are times where, I mean, I could tell the people, you DJed my birthday with damn near nobody there mm -hmm. it was like it was still a fun time but like mm -hmm. how do you go in going like oh man there's like nobody here or like what is your strategy going from there's nobody here till I got the night right and then there's a crap ton of people rocking my music okay um you gotta I learned a long time ago you gotta treat your a dead night, like it's a pack night. You know what I mean? Um, you gotta entertain if there's four people in the crowd or a thousand people in the crowd, a couple of right. people in the crowd. Um, and the cool thing about it being dead, honestly, is you get to play music you never get to play. You get what I'm saying? Now, if you had a crowd, I tend to look, I look at a crowd and, and as I'm playing music, if I see a certain amount of crowd dancing to this, or they're, they're liking this one genre, or I, I know that they're liking this type of artist, I start getting into, start feeling the flow. It does take some time. Um, 
and I tell you, it's, it's more difficult nowadays, you know, before the pandemic, where, uh, uh, you know, back in the days, people came out and they wanted to dance. They wanted a party. Nowadays, a lot of people mm. on the phone, you know, they're talking to people. And that's not a bad thing. But you tend to lose that energy of the crowd because of that. Right. Um, it's definitely easier with a, a packed house. And it's a lot more fun with a packed house. But again, you got to treat like a dead night, like it's a packed house. Because right. those poor people at the bar that paid money to get in or paying money to, for their drinks, they should feel entertained also. You know? Shout out to the bars. Yep. You know, there's a specific bar that will always hold a place in my heart. You know that bar very well. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Uh, so here's a question. Now you said you're a family man. I know you're a father of two. Mm -hmm. Now with DJing, cause I've seen you, there's a lot of organization, a lot of planning. Mm -hmm. And I feel like DJing as far as like organization and planning can also cross over to fatherhood. Now, I, I know you very well. I've, you know, I've been around your family. So do you feel like with the organization of planning uh, a set or planning a night kind of helped you in fatherhood in some way? Uh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Um, I am. If you ever saw me DJ or if you ever have have been to one of my events um i'm a professionalist things has to be yeah. done the right way said plant the right way is set up um for the night to be perfect as possible right right um so i guess i try to set that up with my my kids and try and make their life as perfect as possible um right it's tough especially at the pandemic it's definitely tough to be a parent and tough to be a kid um yeah but I guess um, it also brings you, uh, uh, you can, DJing can humble you or, or, or bring your confidence up. So I guess that helps in, in, in fatherhood also. But I think you learn in everything you do in life, right. whether it be music or parenthood or anything. And I think you just drop that knowledge on your kids as much as possible or, or show them what not to do, you know? Absolutely. I mean, I've, I've seen you, you know, here, and then I've seen you kind of like lose it because they're, they're acting a certain way. But I feel that like, even before your first born was born, I feel like the DJing game kind of helped you organize or plan how to get that done because you already know how to organize a set. So possibly that helped you cross over once you found out you were a father. Mm -hmm. I mean, I in my opinion. You, I got to tell you one thing. Uh, uh, you really can't plan parent. You know, it's, 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 a, a, you can't really, um, I feel like I have more control over music than I have more control over uh, parents. Right. Right. So with DJing, you know, I know there's, you know, there's uh, big, big moments where, you could run into a, a certain star figure or mm -hmm. have a have a wild night or 
you know, a night that doesn't go so well. So um, can you talk about like maybe a night where like mistakes were made or it just didn't go too hot? Because I know DJing, nothing in life is perfect. And Mm -hmm. with the DJing game, I know there might have been a night where like you meant to like, you know, cross over to a record and then for some reason, you know, you couldn't get to the other record in time. So talk about like the nights where something went wrong and how you were able to perfect that down the line. That's a good question. Um, I try not to happen and try not that, try that not to happen. Um, it happens really, honestly. And I try to have doubles of everything I have, um, get very prepared of if something ever happened, knock on wood. Um, of course, there have been times where the electricity goes out or mm. uh, the sound goes out or speaker blows or something like that. Um, it's, it's uh, <laughs> there's been moments but you try and be, like I said, you, you try and be as prepared as anything. Um, like for say, if my iPad, what I, what I did on now, shut down or something like that, I could do it on my phone if I really wanted to. So you might lose music for right. a minute, <laughs> but I connect it right to my phone and, and DJ off my phone if I needed to. Um, and that sounds crazy to some people, but it's possible, you know? Yeah. Uh, we are in 2020, you know, we're advanced in that technology, you know. Anything is possible, for sure. Yeah, man, I mean, DJing off of a phone, it doesn't make sense to me. Like, even DJing off of an iPad, you know. Mm -hmm. You know, I've been there where I, I see controllers and things like that, but, like, DJing off of an iPad still doesn't make sense to me. So... Like with DJing, you know, you again, as I said before, like you might run into like a person you never thought you'd be able to meet. So do you have any stories where like you talk to celebrities or any sort of, you know, I guess Kim Kardashian kind of stories? <laughs> Kim Kardashian. No Kim Kardashian stories. Uh, um, but I do have, I, I, I've worked with a lot of celebrities in my life. Uh, I am privileged yes. to do that, um, honored to do that. But um, I have a couple funny stories. Um, one funny story is uh, I used to be the personal DJ of David LaChapelle. Do you know who David LaChapelle is? I've heard the name. Okay. He is uh, one of the biggest photographers in the world. He um, directs movies. He directs most of Christina Aguilera videos. Okay. Um. And I was his personal DJ for a while. And one day I got called DJ for Outcast, And um, it was for a Vibe magazine shoot. And I remember um, there was nothing but naked women. This whole shoot, right? That must have been a fun (laughs) time. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you could, you probably Google it, but it was a Vibe shoot and it was, I remember they were getting covered by strawberries and stuff like that. Right. Um, um, so I was DJing 
for Outcast, and it was a photo shoot. And I'm I'm playing music, but they're really not getting into it, and it's kind of weird. They were kind of being shy um, during the photo shoot, and I I was trying to figure out. I'm playing music, and I'm, I'm they're not. I'm trying to figure out how to get them in the mood to like you know loosen up for this photo shoot. Right, right. And I threw in Mama Said Knock You Out by El Kuji. And then they started feeling it. They started like getting loose. And uh, maybe like a half hour later, an hour later, Andre 3000 comes up to me and we start chatting. And he goes, yo, you, you mind if you could put this CD on? You know, it's a track I made. And I was like, yeah, sure, no problem. There's a gold CD, I remember this. And I popped it in and I played it. And there had to be like 20 people, 30 people, maybe in the whole place, you know, because it's a photo shoot, it's not a club. And um, I play it, and in my mind, I'm like, yo, what the fuck is this? <laughs> you know what I mean? And I was like, yo, this is Outcast, you know, uh, hip hop legends. What right. is this that he, Andre 3000 made? And I'm bouncing my head looking around, and people are just standing there bouncing their head. And I, I'm done with the song, and I play him, you know, another track. And he goes up to me, he, he, he asked it for a back, and he goes, what do you think of it? I was like, yo, that was cool, man. Honestly, in my head, I, I was like, yo, what are they doing? This is trash. You know what I mean? <sighs> Come to find out that track was Heya by, oh. by Outcast. Wow. And um, he gave me the master of it because I remember it was a marker and it said Heya. And he just came out of the studio, basically, handed me, play it. And me saying that it was trash is probably their biggest hit of all time i was about to say that like yeah you like I love you this can't you can't talk outcast now without mentioning that one record you know yeah. i mean you we we could talk about uh miss jackson bombs over baghdad mm -hmm. like some of their earlier stuff but like you can't have a conversation about outcast without mentioning that one record that he yeah. gave you to play and in your head you're like this is trash like this and is the worst thing i've ever because, heard that's only because yeah think of it like this you know um outcast was different back in the days before hey yeah they were very like hip-hop and and it was it and i i love hey yeah now it's, you know a great track it's a funny story for to me um yeah. i am honored that they let me play that track. Um, and I was so wrong. <laughs> but, um, it, and it wasn't that the song I felt like sucked. I just didn't see that from Outkast. Right. You know what I mean? And, and if you think about it, you know, Kanye to, uh, to the younger uh, people are, thinks is the first people that are like, um, the first artists to do like rap and vocals on their track. But I think Outkast was, you know, one of the first uh, uh, tracks to sing and rap at the, on the same track as the, yeah. the same artist, you know, and I think they evolved that, that I mean, really, look at Heya, man, it's, it, it's like the biggest pop song, but it's so cool, it's like, a, 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 it's Outkast, you know, I mean, big ups to them, they, they really changed the game for everyone, you know? Yeah, and it was something different, because at that mm -hmm. time, I believe, like, you know, everybody was going so like cotton candy with pop music. And then you have this, which is just so out of left field that it was just like, 
I don't know what this is, but I like it. Yeah, it, it was, you know, I mean, and, it's it's one of the greatest uh, uh, songs of all time. I mean, you think about it, you know, I mean, you could play it anywhere. You know, that when I don't know how, what year they came, that song came out. It had to be like 2003 or something like that. Um, I believe 2003, 2004. Yeah, I'm guessing something like that. And, you know, you could play it now and people would sing to it and, and dance to it. I mean, it's a classic. It's, um, and you don't have that much classics out in there in the world, you know? People no, don't you don't. They don't try and make classics no more. It's more jingles now. So I, I, I really yeah. appreciate that. I mean, look at them. They're, they're icons. You know what I mean? Right. Absolutely. So to kind of wrap this up, you know, the whole purpose of this podcast is basically to basically teach people how to turn negatives into positives. Mm -hmm. And when I think of transform, you know, DJing to me is such a ever-changing art form. So in your, in your way, like, if there's one thing you would say that would be missing from DJing that you wish it will evolve into that into the future, what would that be? Because I know you've done VJing as well, which is a mm -hmm. whole nother experience. But like, what is something that you could be like, damn, you know, if if they could think of this to then elevate DJing just a little bit more, what do you think that would be and why? VJ. <laughs> oh. um, uh, I truly enjoy VJing. Um, it's definitely a, it's definitely harder to get together with VJing, um, basically video mixing. Yeah. Um, but when you do it, it's, it's so awesome. If you go to a club and you see VJing, I wish more places had uh, uh, the technology for VJing. Um, and I do wish uh, uh, another way you can, I wish there was more platforms you can do it on. Meaning, um, I give you an example, when we, you know, I DJed on Facebook Live and, you know, they have copyright issues and stuff like that. And they really don't yeah. let you to do that. I wish there was For a way sure. past that part. You know what I mean? I wish there was a way we, us DJs can, you know, you follow a DJ and you want to rock to that DJ for, for, an hour or so, a couple of hours at home. I wish there was a way you can do that, you know, other than buying music or something like that. I wish there was a way you go into their YouTube link and mm -hmm. either they're VJing or DJing and you just right. enjoy it. I mean, uh, um, but I do the I, the, I like the VJing aspect of it. The, the problem is there's remixes. Not every song has a, has a video, yep. you know I mean? You gotta make, basically make your own video. Um, but it's such a cool thing, you know. What I mean, it, it's and it's a lot harder. You don't got as much time as DJing, and uh, finding stuff is not as easy as DJing. Um, but it's it's. I think that's the way of the future, honestly. If, if, right. If, I mean, you know, DJing is such a futuristic thing. I don't know if you mm -hmm. if you know, but I know that um. There's a company out of Germany that developed this thing where you charge it and it basically becomes the needle. Mm -hmm. So you don't you don't need the needle anymore on the actual turntable. Mm -hmm. 
there's like this thing that you just put on the record and that's your needle. And I'm just like, how does that even happen? I, I once saw a, and this had to be years ago. It obviously didn't succeed. Um, damn it, what was it called? I think it was called, it's, what was that, that heart machine when you, when you, um, you know, when you play a zombie game and it asks you to put the heart machine to, to wake the person up? Like, uh, I know what you're talking about. I just can't think of his name. Like, uh, anyway, that was the name of it. That was the name of it from what I remember. And it was basically, crazy. it was basically like an iPhone with a knob and it was, around your neck and it was so weird how you DJed but you would walk around the dance floor and DJ and it was That's connected crazy this had to be like 15 years ago I saw the, the, the commercial for it and I, or I, I saw the, the video for it and I thought that was really cool um, but I was afraid to try it I wanted to see if anybody else started doing it obviously it didn't succeed but that was a cool way right um, kind of like what you're saying with the needle um, I just say one thing, I wish people went back to enjoying the music and enjoying the party. You know what I mean? I wish I wish they just listened and danced and, and enjoyed the moment like it used to be. But it's not like that no more. You know, uh, it's different. For sure. All right, one more question before we wrap this up, man. What, I mean, you've been DJing for a while. You have probably have countless records on your iPad. What is the most slept on transition that you've ever done that has been like wow that actually worked like yeah. is there like is there any two records that the world wouldn't be able to put together but then you somehow put it together in a mix and it worked because i know big, it's not bad i know it's not bad bunny because you're like no. a bad bunny <laughs> hater but it's fun <laughs> I like some of his tracks. I, I actually really respect him now. I really respect him. Um, I'm going to find out right now. I remember I did a mix with Big Pimpin' and, and it's just the whistle on the track. And it was, uh, what the hell is the name of this? I think it's, it's Jonas Brothers Sucker. Yeah. A what now? Uh, give me one second. You did Big Pimpin' yes. into Jonas Brothers? Because it has that whistle part, which Big yeah. Pimpin' also has. And I remember DJing, and I, was, I think I was playing Big Pimpin'. And then I, I was like, yo, what can I go into that really fuck up the crowd, but enjoy it also? Exactly. And, um, and uh, uh, I heard it on my headphone. And I was like, oh, that sounds good. And um, I did it. And I remember the crowd went nuts. And it was just such a smooth transition. And it was such a weird transition, but it was so cool. And I, I, I remember Sucker was a big uh, track at that time. Um, but that's a cool transition that, that I was like, I'm pretty impressed. Awesome, a, dude. Or even like... Um, uh, um, grinding into uh, um, into Justin Timberlake's "Filthy." Uh, right, it's a filthy. Wow, 
Yeah, I think so. It's filthy. Right? Am I right? Uh, Grinding was a classic record. Yeah. Classic instrumental. Yes, it is Justin Timberlake's filthy to uh, to grinding. Sounds amazing. What? That's crazy. Yeah, man. It, it's that's uh, uh, and it's you know two different tracks. It's two. Uh, uh, yeah, I can think of stuff like that. It's, it's um, it's really a, a, a. That's when I get like mad confident and cocky. <laughs> Would I yeah, do something yeah. do something like that? And the crowd yeah. feels it. Oof, what a moment! What a moment! Those are my moments. That, I love. That's um, yeah, that's crazy, man. I didn't even know those two records could work, but you know, with the DJing game, it's a hell of a game, man. But last thing, man. Before we wrap this up, just let the people know where they can find you on socials, you know, just in case they want to give you a follow. And I would say follow this man because he is one of the greatest. I mean, I've told the story a thousand times, but this man literally, literally, figuratively, everything transformed my whole social circle. And you talk about confidence, like what this man has done for me even before this podcast has literally helped me believe in myself more. So I just want to say personally, thank you for everything you've done for me personally as a human. And I greatly appreciate you being on this new journey with me, but yeah, let the people know where they can find you on socials, bro. Sure. Um, on Instagram is DJTM for life, the number four and life, the word. And, um, on Facebook, I believe it's Thomas DJTM Miller. Um, yeah, that's about it. I think I have a, a TikTok somewhere, but <laughs> um, those are the two play, main places you could find me on. Um, I do got to say, I do got to say congratulations, Jonathan. And I am so proud of you. Thank Something you, sir. you really wanted to do. And I am. I wish all the luck and I believe it's going to be amazing. Um, this guy right here is the man. Don't, don't ever, you know, uh, think nothing else. You are the man. Um, from the first minute I met you, you were Mr. Positive, Mr. Energy. Um, and, you know, just meeting you for five minutes, you realize this is a brother. You know what I mean? Um, you family, bro. And yeah. um, I, I, am, I thank you and I'm, I'm honored to, to do this with you. I really appreciate you asking me to do this with you. Um, bro, all the luck. You are the man. You are an amazing person. Uh, I truly wish all the success for you. Honestly, you deserve it. Truly. Um, Thanks, man. I, I love you, bro, for life. You know what I'm saying? Always. <laughs> um, thank you for having me. What and it's about, man. Yeah, yeah. Family. That's a, Thank uh, you, man. Family. Thank you, bro. I mean, this is, I mean, I've told this a thousand times. Like, this is nuts. This literally came from a conversation with Robbie and he was like bro it's COVID you love having conversations with people you're with the ladies at Exotica why don't you just <laughs> try to like tie that in and do a podcast and you know it's it's a new journey you know it's 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 scary because mm -hmm. in a you know in about what a week from whenever this episode's gonna come out. Um, I'm about to have like my first major 
interview ever with like one of the top MCs out of New York that happens to be signed to the biggest independent label. So like I'm freaking out in a way, but it's like, damn, I've been able to do that in three weeks. Mm-hmm. Straight up. Like I was able to schedule that within three weeks of this whole thing becoming an idea. But yeah, man, once again, I appreciate you coming on and always being a brother and always being somebody I can count on. And I'm pretty sure, uh, you know, we'll FaceTime after this or I'll I'll let you sleep and drink more Guinness. I don't know. Guinness, sponsor this man, please. (laughs) If Guinness is listening, sponsor this man. Straight up. You know what I'm saying? um, uh, TJ Schroeder and me, this is what we do. We're the Guinness brothers. Yeah, Um, I mean... I don't know if uh, New Year's Eve is going to happen, but I know, you know, going going to your house, I got some bubbly just in case. So, you know, but yeah, man, I, I, I missed the bubbly. I missed the bubbly last year. So, so uh, I, I'm truly looking forward to it. Um, However, and, that like happens. I said, I, I truly am honored to do this. Um, I have done a couple of interviews and I can't front. I was nervous as hell to do this. Um, That's crazy. Um, and I hope it, it went well. I truly hope so. Um, but I congratulations, man, and and keep doing your thing, bro. Thank you, sir. You know, at a, at a time that everybody's going through right now, you know, uh, something like this can bring people up. You know what I mean? And, and just enjoy and meet people. You know what I mean? That's the that's the whole point of this. It's you know, it, it basically the birth of this came from me being down in the dumps. And then I called Robbie and he's like, bro, you have so much to offer these people. Mm-hmm. Like start a podcast, do something. So that way you can schedule things and things like that. So I definitely, even though I might not be the biggest, you know, I'm not even trying to reach Joe Rogan status, but like mm-hmm. just something that I could be like, all right, you know, work. I'm kind of with work right now, but at least I have something on the side now that I can put all my heart into, and it's actually working out, man. Good, yeah. That's, I mean, so this is, uh, uh, and I believe it's going to be a success, man. You know, what I mean, uh, just getting through it is a success. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. So, so uh, uh, this is definitely your road, man. Just make make it go go right through it. You know what I mean? Um, like I said, man, I'm proud of you and, and, you know, we'll be watching, bro. Yeah, seriously, man. But I love you very much. I'll see you soon. And, uh, this has been another episode. Mad love, yo. Peace. Mad love. Always. <laughs> <for life. laughs> Later, my guy. Yo, what another great interview. Once again, thank you to my brother, TM for joining the conversation. Very insightful. Again, brother, thank you very much. I appreciate the three years of friendship, but I will be back with another episode next week. Next week will be jam-packed. I have a very special guest coming on next week. You don't want to miss it. Please make sure you follow the podcast on Instagram at TSFM. That is T-S-F-M, Ability Podcast. I'm on YouTube as well. Just search T-S-F-M, Ability Podcast. I will see you guys next week.
and follow me directly at JV the Transformer. So that's J as in Jonathan, V as in Victor, the Transformer. I'll see you guys next week.